It's Tom. It's Jake. You, you already, already know. It's pretty spot on. All right, ready? All right, we're back for another quick take, episode two. Yes, sir. This one, all about taking big risks. I think in any sort yeah. of creative path, it's only natural to kind of make a, take a risk into sort of a financial risk in terms of buying something, like a decision risk. So I thought it'd be a cool episode to kind of share the biggest risks that we've taken individually and maybe together. You know what I mean? Yeah, because I think, I mean, we both have taken a lot of big risks and i think anyone that's done like anything big or success like on a large level or it's been very successful like you you had to have taken a big risk to get there like you don't just become uber successful or pop off or whatever by not taking some sort of risk whether that's like quitting a job to pursue something like whether it's a financial risk or a time risk like and so i i feel like we have some good stories to share on, in terms of that. And so, yeah, I mean, maybe just dive into like each of our two biggest I think like, risks. Cool. Like, and I think just kind of even to, to rally on that, um, I feel like even just like filmmaking in general, because I was told my whole like high school career, like, oh, that's like a fun hobby. But like, what do you really want to do? I feel like even just by design, filmmaking is kind of a risky thing to right, do because right. if you think about it, you know, having a nine to five, you're kind of guaranteed a paycheck every couple of weeks. Right. But filmmaking, Art. there's definitely like days, weeks where you maybe don't have any jobs. The phone's not really ringing. So like it is a very like risky career thing. But like yeah. on top of that compounded risk, it's like certain decisions that we made independently that kind of were at the moment and even looking back, we're like, oh my God, like that was crazy. You right, know? right. In terms of like, this could or could not work out. So I think, I mean, we, I know those stories that immediately popped to my head as like biggest risks. I'm sure you already have yours. Yeah. We didn't pre-plan this. We just kind of were like, yo, let's yeah, talk about like our biggest risks. And I've actually like in the comments of when we were like, ask us anything, this was kind of a came question. up a lot in my DM. So I was like, we're going to answer those questions in a later episode, all the submitted right. ones. But right. this one almost, I feel like deserved a whole episode. Yeah, because man like so much of yeah like you said filmmaking is is risky but like just in life like taking those risks that anytime i've taken the biggest risk i i actually have a lot like but we'll narrow it down to like the two maybe two yeah, biggest yeah. stories but like every time the biggest thing that's happened in my life that's like led to something amazing has become on the heels of like some risk that's been taken you know what i mean it's just like you got to have that mentality of like you we always talk about it you say like uh we we're ones that like just leap and learn to build the so parachute the, you say we yeah. learn to build the parachute on the way down no, i say like learn the to whole fly, i think but. even in the last one we talked about the decision making process of like you know standing on the edge of a cliff right or standing at the edge of a plane ready to jump and the metaphor is like you know jumping would be making that decision right right and some people do just stand there their whole lives sort yeah. of second guessing themselves yeah. or in their head giving themselves obstacles oh i'll, I'll shoot this when i buy that camera or when i yeah, get that yeah, location yeah. Yeah. and they give themselves too many hurdles to create right and you just end up like so Not doing i've anything. always kind of been into the mindset of basically yeah jump and then just figure it out like build the parachute as you're falling you almost yeah. give yourself no option to fail because if you don't build that parachute as you fall that might not be the phrase but it's just something i've always kind of like instilled of like i'm forcing myself to figure it out because i'm taking a risk that if i fail it would suck you know what i mean yeah i mean which kind of leads i guess probably into both of our first ones i think 
I don't know if I can speak for you, but the first biggest risk for me, I think was I'm not from LA. And so moving to LA by myself away from family and friends for the first time ever in my life oh, yeah. to try and p- pursue filmmaking as a full-time uh, career. Same for me. I, yeah. I'd love to hear maybe you're like, you know, maybe you're like uh, expand on that a bit more, but mine's very similar. Cause I have two as well. And that would be my, my first one. My, my second one, which we'll dive into is like one of the like film studio ones, which yeah. we'll get into, which is kind of a great wild story, wild story. But yeah, the first one, obviously like just, which is the start of Jacob Owens, Buff Nerds, everything is like making that leap to LA. Cause for me, I'm from Arizona. I'm not from LA. You know, I grew up going to school. Like my high school was, you know, five minutes away from my house, my grade school, five minutes away from my house, my college, five minutes away. Like yeah. I never lived away from home far. It's always around friends, family, whatever. Like, so like I grew up a homebody just that loved being home. I didn't even like staying the night at kids house. I would like want to go stay the night and I'd go to my like friend's house and like every time you know 11 o'clock mom can you come get me like i just <laughs> i just didn't like i was a homebody i loved being home oh yeah dude even it was my so for me especially being that person it'd be different if i like loved being out and about i went college elsewhere like i don't think it'd be that big of a deal but for me it was genuinely like yo this is the first time i'm ever going to be away from home friends fam and i made the leap to live by myself not even like a lot of people like moving with friends or family in la or like sure. friends like yo you have two roommates or whatever and yeah, yeah. i literally lived by myself i and I, I probably was also living above my means a little bit too i like got this artsy that's where i met you which we yeah. talked about in the last episode i rented this artsy la like work live loft and i was gonna live in the upper part and then the downstairs i was gonna use for like photo shoots video shoots which never really panned out we shot a couple videos in there i mean you probably shot cool space actually yeah we probably shot like four videos in there funny enough that was right when pure space popped onto the scene and i I actually actually i actually went to list my uh, loft on there, but Peer Space was so new. It had just launched in like 2013, which is when I moved there. No one ever booked the space. Oh yeah. But now, if you go there, I think you can find those spots today on that. Dude, we site. should book so it's your like, loft if yeah, it's up there. <laughs> if that'd someone cool. has it on that, that would be wild. But yeah, so that was like, I remember moving in. My parents helped me move in. They left, and it was like the first night. I'm by myself, all alone in LA, and I was just like, this sucks. Like, and I was just like, did I make, and it's also, you're pretty far. It's not like, oh, I'll drive home. I mean, yeah. I drove in yesterday and it was like five and a half hours. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. And I just remember sitting on the couch upstairs in my loft, like where my bedroom was and just going like, I hope this was the right decision. Did you have moments of like, maybe this is a big mistake? Oh, hundred percent. I think that moment when I was like, finally all alone, once my parents left, they it probably was kind of like, like moving and stuff. Yeah. yeah. It kind of sunk in like, wow, I'm really here by myself right now. I don't really know anyone. I knew Kyle, who was KID, who I was like shooting music videos for, but he lived in Ventura, like two hours away. Still even further. Yeah. And so it's like, I really didn't have any like friends. Because Zach hadn't moved out yet, right? Zach hadn't moved out. I tried to get him to move out for a couple of years and finally he ended up moving out. But yeah, so I was alone, but no joke within the first couple weeks of being there i got on uh like this one black eyed peas video i edited with danny top williams top shelf i edited like an omarion um 
and uh, what was the Omarion and something push a T video and like I got on set with Rage which oh, yeah. led to a bunch of big opportunities um, and I was and on just like I'm sure people listening are like wait how like did you just like DM them were you already editing no, for them no well, because I already had a buzz going for myself with the YouTube channel and getting hit up to do videos and I would get like I remember even Pat Div was a group early I worked on with early on and they'd be like, yo, we want to, you know, link, talk about this video. And I'd be like, oh, I'm in Arizona. And they'd be like, oh, let us know when you're in LA. Gotcha. Like I just kept getting that. Oh, let us know when you're in LA from artists, management, whatever. And so that kind of is what led me to make that leap. So once I got there, I was like, hey, I'm in LA now. And so things just started clicking because I already had a buzz around my name. I already had people who were kind of reaching out to me, wanting me to work with me, but I just wasn't in LA yet, but now I was. So That's I immediately cool. kind of started. So the seeds I, were already kind of planted. Yeah. Seeds bit. were planted a little bit. So I started editing those videos right away. Any set I could get onto, I would get on anytime someone said, yo, like got the set. Like it wasn't even paid jobs either. I would just show up to set and like, just kind of observe and help. However, and that's early on. That's kind of, you know, after I edited that video for rage, you know, and that whole kind of story, which, you know, a lot of people probably heard of, but regardless, um, I don't know. It just led to a lot of like interesting connections right away, which then like, like we talked about in the last episode, maybe two months in is when I met you. And then yeah. we started shooting all these videos together and it, things just really, and then not how, how soon after Jesse McCartney video was like a year later. So that was actually, so, I mean, if we're looking at a timeline, I met you in August of 2013 Yeah, and that video happened, February. I believe in like March of 2014. No, it's February. Cause remember the, uh, uh, Valentine's day, the heart in the sky. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So it'd be Valentine's day. I also so, remember bro, sidebar that? that, and we'll dive into it later, but I remember specifically it was earlier that year cause it was daylight savings and we lost the sun at like 430. Yeah. But yeah, yeah that whole day is a crazy day. That might need a whole, you know, that would podcast cool episode. episode Cause that, I learned so much that day. Yeah. That was, the, that was easily our biggest video just right off the rip just thrown to the fire we were e doing, like you was said fifteen hundred dollar futuristic or like local artist to jump to like what a 30 or 40 i would video? assume i don't know what the budget was for it because the producer kept it under wraps i would assume it was 30 to 40 at least kay. the numbers i saw i know at the time we rented like a red epic with master primes yeah or that had something. to have been a couple grand alone yeah. oh you know easy I mean? the yeah. master primes i think were 2500 so yeah. it definitely was a healthy budget and that house we were shooting at was no cheap little house oh, yeah. like it had to be like a 5k house like so yeah it was definitely up there budget wise but yeah so that was like the huge risk for me like also just financially like i said i was in that you know expensive loft you know trying to like hope you know hoping to like live there but also maybe make shoots happen there um i'm away from home don't really know anyone like cool this is me gonna try and pursue my dream and passion of becoming a filmmaker full-time and so yeah it was just it was it was scary and it was a lot of a you know time risk financial risk a dream you know just everything and so but yeah that ultimately led to everything that i'm doing yeah. now and i wouldn't change anything had you about just it. been like sitting in arizona oh sure opportunities would have happened but i think in i would have never met you no you know, if we you yeah here. we would have never met literally yeah. it's like it's it's crazy and the fact that i was just like took that leap i knew i needed to do it but i didn't sit around like oh, i'm not gonna do it oh hold off like wait a year two years build my bank account like i just went for it i knew yeah. i graduated i was getting hit up and i just was like yo i gotta go i i gotta go to la and that's when you know i found that spot and moved to la but my parents were always super supportive like they they knew like filmmaking's like could be risky or whatever but they always pushed me to like you know 
follow my dreams and do what I love. That's super like, cool. So that was, that helped. It wasn't like I also had my parents battling against me. Like you shouldn't do filmmaking. No, da, no, that da, 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 would be but, the worst. Yeah. So Cause I had teachers that like that were like that in my back of my ear. Um, but yeah, my parents also super supportive, I yeah. guess. So you, if that, that kind of closes out your yeah, like first, so. uh, big risk, I, I kind of have like my LA story and it's very similar. I mean, I lived, uh, in NorCal, uh, Northern California, San Francisco Bay area. And though that is still California, I, I mean, a lot of people joke like Northern California and Southern California might as well be two different States. It is at the same distance from funny enough, Tempe, Arizona, LA is five hours from the LA to the Bay five hours. Yeah. So yeah, I always kind of had the idea in the back of my head because right, I graduated high school in 2010 and I moved down to LA in 2012. So for two years after high school, I was going to like a local community college, took some film classes and I did apply right out of high school. I just didn't have like the right grades to go like straight to USC or right. straight to UCLA. I was like, you know, what? I'll stick around a couple of years in the Bay Area, took some film classes. But in the back of my head, I was it was always kind of itching at me. I was like, I really want to go to LA. And at the moment, you know, I didn't have and still don't have any like, you know, family down here. All my family right. is up, up in the there. Bay Area. So that was definitely so come 2012 of like June, I literally threw everything in my car. I was fortunate enough my parents like helped me come down and help me move in and like find a place. But I, I didn't even know like what neighborhoods were like safe or like I, I just kind of found a neighborhood that was close to like the community college that I was going to. So I went to LA City College in LA in 2012. I didn't and know that. So that was like, yeah, this is like a year before I met you. So I like when I moved down to LA, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try and transfer into one of these schools. I think going to school would be a great place to like meet people, right. learn a bunch of stuff. I knew some stuff from like crewing on sets and stuff. I was like, I'll go to community college in Los Angeles. It's fairly cheap, you know, $30 a unit and maybe build like a little support system of friends. And then while I've got that support system, apply to Chapman, UC, UCLA, right. all those and stuff. So for a whole year or two semesters, I was living in Los Feliz in this little like studio apartment that's probably about as big as this room. Right. And was going to community college, like LA City College. And yeah, same experience. Like parents were like, all right, you're all moved in and like left. I remember just being like super lonely. I just yeah. remember like oddly enough that like Fear Factor was on TV and I was like watching an episode of Fear Factor just feeling like very alone. Like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, That's I mean, obviously it struck a chord with you that you remember a TV show that you were watching. Because I kind of like, just like that was on in the background when they left. And I just remember like w finishing out that episode being like, damn, like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> yeah. I'm watch Fear Factor. <laughs> like, um, but no, so in going to, you know, LA City College, that was helpful. That's actually where I met like John Luke, Terrell, like that, that, that team of people who I actually, you know, funny enough, like ended up bringing on to some sets later on when we started working. Right. But yeah, I was going to LA City College eventually while going there applied to a bunch of film schools and got into Chapman and right when I got into Chapman is actually funny enough like right when that semester started I had met you so right. it's kind of like shortly but it was a big risk I guess kind of circling back to the the nature of the episode literally had zero friends initially literally didn't have any jobs I was funny enough was actually flying or driving back to the bay a lot in the first few months of living here to go make money like shooting a wedding or right. a tech video because in the bay area there is a lot of like silicon valley tech right, stuff right. so i had a lot of like clients like hey come up here for a weekend and like that would pay my rent that month or whatever um but yeah like for the first year do you remember the amount of money you had in your bank account when you first moved 
It was low, dude. What was it? Because I always I always tell people this story that like I talked to him in person. Like, do you remember the amount? Like, how I low? I think was I had it? like saved up in the Bay Area, like working at like a I, I had like a couple of local like editing jobs. I think I maybe had like five thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. And mind you, rent was like thirteen. Dude, that's crazy. So yeah. I think I think a lot of people can probably relate to that. That's why I asked because I I was in a a little better of a position in terms of like my YouTube channel started making me good money because it had started popping off and I had started growing a name for myself quite a bit. And I was doing tons of videos in Arizona. And like I said, that's what led me to like, Hey, like, let us know when you're in LA, let us know when you're LA. And I, I vividly remember moving to LA to get that. Obviously if I bought or not bought the loft, rented that loft, I had to have been making decent money. Like if I wasn't making any money, I wouldn't just like rent a $2,500 spot. Yeah. Um, even now that's still actually a lot of money to most people probably. Right. Right. And yeah, I even look back and I'm like, dude, what was I thinking? Like, (laughs) what was I? Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, besides the point, but I remember, um, the YouTube stuff was going really well and whatnot. And that made it easier. I mean, it was still a risk, but I remember having the, the moment, I think I was like a month into LA and I, I hit 20 K in my bank account. And I was like, I'm fucking rich. I I just remember thinking I was like so rich. You're feeling yourself, dude. I was. I thought I was in my bag to the fullest. I was just like, bro. I'm, you know, I was like, you couldn't tell me nothing. And it's so funny looking back now on on that. No, as moment, you level up and like, grow, you kind of like everything is, has perspective. perspective right. Yeah. Right. But I I I vividly remember that. No. Moment. Yeah. So I definitely probably was living beyond my means. If you think about it, like yeah. if your rent is like a fifth of what you have in your savings, like that's not that good. So right. you obviously you have like five months of burn rate before all your money's gone. Right. So yeah, definitely like I, I will say that having that like fire lit underneath your butt, like to like, it gives you like a go after it mentality, which I think is obviously stayed with me because there was moments in between waiting for a check or a job where like, I was like, I don't know how I'm going to like, I, I a hundred percent. Like I heard of a fighter that literally like to keep his hunger when he makes all his money, he spends it so that like, and maybe not in a stupid way, like he might invest it or whatever, but like he spends it in a way where he like doesn't have any livable money anymore Wow. so that he's like, yo, I got it. I got to go. I got to win. I got to fight. Well, I gotta, it's kind of so, that mentality of like, you have to build that parachute. It's like, if I don't pay my rent or figure it out. I'm, I'm done. literally yeah. going to be homeless or hopefully not. But like, you kind of like, I'm, it like forced me to figure it out. And yeah. And, and moving down here initially, like, I think some people who maybe don't have that initial fire lit, never really discover the urgency or because right. when you have to do it out of necessity, obviously we love filmmaking. It's an art form. It's really fun. You can make a living off of it. It should always be fun ideally. But um, initially I, I had to look at it as a job. I was definitely doing projects like yeah. these corporate Silicon Valley or wedding things. I didn't want to do those. Do you remember the first job? What was the first job in which you got paid a certain amount of money where you're like, dude, I'm getting paid X amount of dollars for to do this. Like I, this is awesome. Funny like, enough, the it was a DP gig. I think I'd been in LA for maybe a year or two. I was still going to Chapman. And I mean, it's still, I mean, okay, DP rate. I still look at it. But back then, it was like $1,000 a day to shoot. Um, and I wasn't even like, a, I, sometimes higher rates were thrown at me, but it was like partially a camera rental because right. I had a red at the time. This one was like, oh, we already have all the gear. Eight hour day, 1000 It was like a commercial. Wow, a lot of commercials nice. pay a lot. Yeah. And like, yeah, in like 2015, I was like, what? Like, yeah. that's crazy. No, One that day, is crazy. you know what I mean? So... There, yeah, um, mine. I remember it was before LA. Before I moved, I was still on like my T two I. Oh, think. nice. And um, this guy offered 
you know, I was doing videos for like free for like Kyle and futuristic, but they're going on my YouTube channel. But then I was doing videos for like 200 bucks, you know what I mean? For local artists, but I would bang them out in a day. I'd go shoot them and have them done edited that night. Boom, done. Send it to him 200 bucks. But this guy, you know, I started growing that little bit of following and he hit me. I was like, yo, I really want a video. Da, da, da. And I was like, five hundred dollars and he was just like and i thought i was like i was reaching i was like yo i'm not i'm not gonna get five hundred dollars and he's like all right cool like when can we shoot and i was just like bro i'm gonna get five hundred dollars to shoot this music video and so yeah i just vividly remember it and um i i still the video is on i think my old old youtube channel i don't even think it's on the buff nerds one but because i had a youtube channel before buff nerds started let me ask you do you still have that ttui or no so derek my brother has it but that would he's kind of cool he's to like, like have as a little he's busted it and dropped it so much that it's like it doesn't i don't think it really works anymore or it does work but there's like the it's kind of peeling one out but i think he still has it so we might have to like bring i actually low-key like had a t2i as well this was like like right around that i mean obviously this probably could be a whole episode itself like our first cameras but right. i remember having like an 18 to 35 like when you zoom in it like lost yeah. a stop of light oh yeah uh it was like a 3.5 and then if you zoomed in, it was like a 5.6 and the autofocus motor was so loud that a lot of my audio and like one of the first weddings i shot you just heard the <laughs> motor going, crunch rrr, yeah rrr. yeah and the, i remember the bride and groom were like yo like where's the audio of our speeches i said to like layer in music because like the autofocus motor was just so loud wow but anyways t2i that wasn't even the camera. That was just the lens, I guess. But so, so that was kind of, yeah, I guess we both kind of have a very similar one. And I think a lot of people listening maybe live in a city and are thinking of moving oh. to like New York or, you know, maybe just somewhere new, right? I For get school. that question to this day in yeah. DMs, messages, people messaging me like, yo, do you think it's worth to, if I want to be a cinematographer, do I need to move to LA? Like all the time I get asked, you I know, or things like that. The simple answer is yes. For opportunities. I can't even tell you, I don't even really shoot anymore, but the opportunities of like, Hey, what are you doing tomorrow? Uh, someone dropped out. Are you around? If I lived out of state, I wouldn't even be in that conversation. No, of people. Um, I will say for anyone listening or watching, that don't expect it all to come together yeah. in a year. I It really took me a year. I mean, I didn't meet you for a year, but it, even prior to meeting you to like actually feel like, okay, this could work. It really took me about a whole year. First few months, I didn't know anybody. All my gigs were up, you know, upstate and stuff. So like, it really took me like 365 days to finally be like, okay, this could work. But up until that last right. day, I was like, oh my God, like, did I make the biggest mistake? I like, did not know. Right. Right. But I don't think that should be a deterrent because the other, the other side of it is if I stayed in the Bay area, I'd be wondering my whole life, like, oh man, I, and I know people who are older. My teachers in high school, are like, you know, I always wonder if like, I, if I, what would my life have been if I went to LA, but like they ended up being a teacher in the Bay area. Anyway, so it's like, I wouldn't, I didn't want to spend, I at least wanted to give it a shot. So when I moved to LA, went to junior college, I was like, you know what, this is my like year to figure it out. And if I fail after a year, at least I can come home. I got some connects. So I like kind of forced myself to figure it out. Right. You know what I mean? I think that kind of just leads into everything we've done too, even with the businesses. It's like, oh, let's try it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Yeah. You know, at least we tried, but, what, but like the, the, the results of a lot of them have been like, yo, life changing. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to the point. Yeah. Anyways. I think that kind of maybe would well, segue into your mine. second because yeah. I know like I think we went into this episode of like hey let's have like two stories or risks and I think your second one actually deals with sort of business related um, and yeah I mean I don't know if you want to just take it away so it's kind of it's kind of a twofold I'll, I'll make it brief but basically the first 
um, it's the studios basically kind of launching the film studios and, and buying my first property house in LA, which led to the second one, which is the eclectic West. But, you know, I was living in LA, five roommates, um, in a house, you know, and I got pretty serious with, uh, my girlfriend, now wife Chanel, and she was always coming to visit. And we got to a point where it was like really serious. And it's like, we kind of need a space of our own, but I was always in the mindset of like, yo, I'm not going to rent anything if I can afford to own something. Like in my opinion, you should always look towards ownership and having equity in something and putting your money into, you know, basically, you know, a, you know, a mortgage or property. I already had a couple properties back in Arizona homes that, you know, I owned and rented out one, you know, two of them were Airbnbs, one I lived at, but so we had the idea, okay, let's buy a house, but now we have a place to stay in this house, but let's decorate it and really focus on actually making it like a film studio. So yes, we're going to stay here when we're in LA and we will live here and this will be our house, but primarily it is going to be a film studio. Um, and then we're living, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll rent it out and make our mortgage and literally not have to pay a mortgage and have a place to lay our heads when we're in LA working. Yeah. And when we're back in Arizona, we have our house in Arizona. But the house that we found and bought, it was perfect from the bones and everything. But there's no furniture. And to decorate an entire mid-century, modern, 60s, 70s house is expensive as hell. I and know firsthand because I literally just bought my first home. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, when you walk into an empty house, it is like, where do I begin? Especially yeah. I had a couple pieces from my apartment I was in, like to go in and it's just a complete blank canvas. Yeah. And every decision you make might actually weigh into it. Will people rent this? Because right. if it's a crap couch, like, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. So not only the investment to buy the house, which was, it was a, it was a pretty expensive house. I mean, it was over $700,000 and to make that big investment right away, like, cause we could have bought a cheaper house that we could have just lived in, but we wanted to buy this house because it had the bones to make the film studio that we really wanted to make yeah. like the old school 60, 70 style and, and, uh, in a nice neighborhood like that. It's just, um, so going into that already putting, you know, that money up front, um, I think it was like 165,000 or 175,000 sure. to buy the house. But then I don't even know how much my, I don't remember how much it was from the furniture, paint, decor, like every little aspect to decorate every single and room. You had some props in there that were like one of one. I mean, yeah. wasn't that honeymoon bed alone? Oh, like the, the gold honeymoon bed, which is still now in our new honeymoon inn warehouse yeah. was a $10,000 custom bed we had it's made crazy, to bro. build like the vintage gold Imagine room. Imagine, I'm sure room. the thought in your head was like, wait, what if no one shows up? So that's, we literally, there was a moment where me and Chanel, I was just like, Chanel, what if no one books this? What if no one no one books this. And we just like spent all this money, all this time. Yeah. Wow. It's just like, at the very least, I looked at it as like, I still own this home. I have equity in the home. So that's good. Like the property value is going to rise. Um, but also like, if it really comes down to it, like we could still sell this furniture for probably a pretty penny and get our money back in some capacity. It's just, we would, we would for sure lose some money, but more importantly, like we would lose just a lot of time. Like, you, so you know, kind of use, you kept that in the back of your mind yeah. as a fail safe. Yeah. As and a fail safe. helped you move forward with the decision, knowing you had an out potentially, yeah. right? Yeah. A little bit, but it was, I mean, it was still very, very scary because you're still spending so much of your own money and time that is essentially locked up into this house and the stuff. And it's like, if it doesn't work, like, damn, now what? Okay. Um, you know, and so that was like a huge 
risk for us, which it, it worked out right away. We started booking we became very popular. And I'll, I'll say, I feel like it created a wave in, in the industry, um, which led to a lot of other people kind of trying to do the same thing. But shortly after, I want to say three months, four months after doing that property, just jokingly, this is where the other, I think, so that was like a big risk, but this is, I think the biggest one. So I remember the text, the I was on a feature and you're like, you sent me the, the Zillow listing. I'm like, what am I looking at? Yeah. And it was like a 40 acre plot of land. Yeah. In the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So we were driving me and Chanel were, we wanted to pick up some more props for the house. Um, and we we're driving to like Rose bowl flea or something. And on the drive to the flea market, Chanel was just like, you know, this, the house has been doing well. Like jokingly, we should get another one. And I'm like, you're right. And I'm one that like, I, like I said, I take risks. I'm very much, I'm very impulsive. If I think of something, I chase that idea and I look at, it. I'm not one that like sits back and ah, maybe, yeah. Wow. Like, and so I literally immediately got on Zillow and I knew I always wanted like my own film ranch. Like that was like a huge goal bucket list dream item like yo if i have my own film ranch that'd be so sick where i could build sets film my own movies whatever totally and so i just started searching out in that adelanto desert area and just for plots of land slash homes whatever and this property popped up 40 acres in the middle of nowhere in the desert and there was like a old creepy cabin like a shed in that geodome with like a dilapidated greenhouse and i was like this is sick and um I was just like, Chanel, this is it. This, this is it. And she's like, this is all on the drive to like a flea market. And she's like, Jake, no, stop. And I called the realtor. I was like, Hey, can I see this on Monday? And I went and saw it. And Chanel was just like, this is so stupid. Stop Jake. Like I was joking. Like you're not buying 40 acres in the middle of the desert. And like, hope, well, you if know, you were worried no one was going to show up to your house in Los Angeles. I mean, the so I kind of, I had my juices flowing cause the house had done well. I know, and but so this was one's like, like an hour. I've been there right. multiple times. It's like literally two hours away. Yeah. So we, I go and see it with Will. Will, my friend, you know, he came and saw it with me and he kind of, he gassed gassed me up. He's like, bro, this is fire. He's like, if you got this, bro, you like you a legend, bro. Like, this is crazy. Like you got to get like two mountain ranges, all that just is, it was so sick. And I had cool plans. I wanted to do the airplane crash. I wanted to do all this stuff. And, and so I saw it, I liked it and I made an offer all cash. I was just like, I want to own this outright. I don't want to have a mortgage on it. And literally after I did that, I went to Hawaii to visit my brother and the realtor is like, Hey, you need to sign this final paper to officially close like on the house and it's yours and blah, 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 or on the property. And I just remember sitting there going this, no, 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 no. What are you doing, Jake? This is the dumbest thing you've ever, is this the dumbest thing you've ever done or no, no, this will be great. This will be bro people are going to go out there and shoot. Like I know I would shoot there. So if I'm going to shoot there, other people, like I just had this internal battle with myself, like when it came to like that final, like dotted line thing. And, but I just knew ultimately, ultimately it was like a dream of mine. I wanted to do it. I knew all the ways I would use it for my own productions. And I was like, yo, if I'm going to use it all these ways, other people will for sure. And I was like, you know, I just got to do it. Like, you know, like this is this type of property and like idea is not going to come up often often and so i just i just went for it and chanel literally was like she was pissed she thought it was the dumbest and we're not married at the time so it's like she doesn't have really say like this was all my money and so but she you know we were getting more serious and so but i kind of was just like no i'm doing this like and you're gonna help you know and she really it's funny she's so supportive but she was like 
not about that place. So I went out there by myself. I would drag airplane parts out there, have them delivered, go work on it by myself, clean out the property, decorate it. I, I was out there for like a couple months just trying to get this thing wow. ready myself. I think you are the same way in the sense that if I see something, especially since I was looking at houses recently, I, I knew the moment I walked into the one I currently bought, I you was like, know. this, this is it. Yeah. And I'm going to do whatever I can in my power to make this it because I already start to like vision things. Like, yeah. okay, I'm going to, my office is there. And I, I don't know if other people can relate, but I'm kind of like one of those people where like I, look at something and I'm like, oh, it j this just has to happen. Yeah, I walked on the property. I was like, this is a movie. I can see this. <laughs> yeah. This mountain's going to be the plane crash. Oh, wow. I can see like pushing through it. Like I just saw it and I was like, this is it. You just feel it. Like all the properties and houses I bought, even the honeymoon one, when we walked in that house and saw the gold carpet and the A-frame and we just walked in, we're like, oh, this is it. Yeah. And you just know, and it's like, you have to do it. For sure. And so, but that was a huge, like I'm spending all this time, oh, all, all this cash, money, dude, that's the insane. cash, not only to like buy the property, but then to like drive out there, fix it up, build the airplane crash, do all these things. And I don't even know if anyone's going to drive out two hours out of the way to book this thing. Like, yeah. and so that was like a huge, like, dude, what am I doing? But yeah, ultimately it, it paid off and it's been great. And we've, we ourselves have shot countless projects yeah, out there yeah. for our own stuff. 100%. So it's like, and um, also it's cool. Like seeing your Instagram feed of like the creators you feature who like yeah. tag you. Cause it, it, I mean, it, I can relate cause I have film studios with you. Yeah. Like seeing what other people do in your space is actually like super cool. Like yeah. to have provided a canvas for people to like you know, shoot some, I saw someone with like a great all crane and some wire work. Yeah. Like, That's awesome. Dude, there's been some crazy projects I, shot out dude, there. Dude, it's a, only a matter of time before I guarantee you like Blumhouse shoots there for two months. Dude, I had so funny enough. I've, I've been talking to this guy. I don't even think I've told you this story. So I've been talking to this guy and who loves my work. He's done. He's got a couple features on like, he's a film producer. He's got a couple features on like Netflix and Hulu. And we've just over the last few months been chopping up back and forth here and there. And I sent him this idea I had for a horror film. He's like, Oh, I love this. And he was like, actually I got something that, could be shot at your film ranch and he sent me the like one sheet of the film that's cool and it's called like stranded or like lost or something and it's all set in this desert Dude, that's these dope. brother and sister get lost on like this camping kind of trip thing and they get separated from the bus and they get lost in the desert and and he was just like yo i think we could shoot this out there and so i got i still got to call him about it but yeah that's like i mean we actually had a movie book there it was a low independent independent feature and then COVID hit and yeah, they had it, fell to, through. it fell through. They had to cancel the whole movie and everything. So yeah, it's only a matter of time for sure. Yeah, but, no, that's so that's awesome. my big, I think that one's crazy one. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I would say if I, I think to kind of close this out, there is one risk I took kind of looking at my, like, you know, from a top down, like my whole journey as a filmmaker, where I was like, even now looking back, I was like, wow, that's kind of bold that I did that. Right. I, um, for most of you probably do know, or if you don't, here you go. A lot of my journey up until about 2019, I mean, I started filmmaking maybe 2010, maybe even earlier, was the 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 path I was on was like purely cinematography. I guess very early on when I was shooting short films, sure, I was like, did everything right, direct, I had to produce. And it was kind of in doing that first short film at one of my junior colleges, like the actors, like, no offense, I think you'd be better as a cinematographer because you have no notes for me as an actor and you're more concerned with all the lighting and not really the performance. And it was in, cause I was like doing a short film for my school or whatever. That was like the prompt for the class I was in. And that's when I was like, Oh, maybe I should just like focus on cinematography. Yeah. And then kind of from there went down the wormhole of like 
buying a 7D, moving to LA, buying a red. So without getting too in the weeds, I'd, I'd been on this path to be a cinematographer. I even like went to Chapman University and got a bachelor's in fine art in cinematography. Went there, shot thesis films. I've shot NDP, like two indie feature films. So for a lot of people, like that's very much like what I am known as. Even my like Instagram feed is like, you know, artsy shots that I take on set. So like everyone, even my now fiance is like, wait, what are you doing? You're going to stop shooting. Like that's all everyone knows. And it's so funny to even like kind of talk. I've never actually like really talked about it. Um, I've done like an Instagram Q and A where people are like, oh, you don't shoot anymore. So I yeah. guess this is like an opportunity to explain it. But yeah, essentially I was kind of burnt out. I had been on this path as a cinematographer shooting a bunch of stuff and I was kind of getting to the tier as a DP or a cinematographer where it started to become unfun for me. Um, it is a lot of fun. I don't get me wrong. I still look at movies, Netflix, whatever. And I will always, I can never flip that part of my brain off. I right. will always admire and love cinematography. But as a cinematographer myself, I was getting onto larger projects where there was a lot of responsibility. It wasn't just you and me anymore running around handheld where, you know, shoot them in backlight and it looks great. I was on projects where I was having to like call the vendors, lock in the best quotes. I have a producer in my ear saying, hey, you're over budget on these vendors. Now I have to like go to this lighting rental house and camera house and slash the budgets. I had to like negotiate with crew. And yeah. mind you, now looking at it, I'm probably was working on projects where they probably should have had just like a line producer do that. But I, that stress of like having to tell your best friend that you want to come on to pull focus. say like, dude, I only have X rate. And you know, that's like way lower. And like having to do all that on top of like, yeah, making sure you have the directors also in your saying, Hey, we're going to have this crane for this set. Like having all that stuff, I think case in point, the job that like broke me was this ASAP Rocky. ASAP yeah, I remember Ferg you job. telling me about that. I just remember going into, I got the call, hey, do you want to shoot next week? for Rocky, I'm like, done, say less. And I was so stoked. Treatment looked cool. Had a lot of like inspo from like belly, like, you know, black light, cool stuff. So going into it, so stoked. And I think this is a great story because on the other end of the project, driving home at like 6 a.m. after wrapping, I was not stoked. And how I got to there was I just everything I was saying, right? Like, negotiating all the vendors the crew on set just going so overtime to where the crew's like in my ear like yo this is this is appeal what the hell like i just remember feeling like i was like walking this tightrope where i was trying to keep everyone else happy and myself wasn't even happy i mean sure the visuals are cool I look at the video and it's tight but like i just remember just being like so like tapped out and on that set i remember we had like a steady cam operator for a few shots and i like remember looking I'm like wow, that looks like fun. Like he's just, he's not dealing with all this auxiliary bullshit that I'm dealing with right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Cause I just had like a pit in my stomach. We're behind schedule. having to cut setups and I'm looking over at this guy and he's just running in and doing like these cool Dutch angle shots. I'm like, that looks like fun. And then I, on a whim just signed up for like an able, able Sydney and Burbank. They have like steady cam workshops. I was yeah. like, I'm just going to try this. Maybe this is for me. Maybe it's not. The workshop's like 1500 bucks, but you're like, they put you in it. They teach you how to balance it. And at the very least I could walk away like, eh, not for me, right? And on a whim, signed up for that. And I loved it. I was like, this is so cool. And I literally at the time had like a classic car uh, and I sold it literally for like 16 grand and just like literally bought like a $30,000 Steadicam. And yeah, I mean, that was a huge risk, not only like financially to buy like a rig that I just learned how to use at this workshop, but to like literally, I mean, in the process of doing all these workshops, I'm getting calls like, hey, you're on next ready to shoot. And like to literally like 
no, I don't actually shoot anymore. What do you mean you don't shoot anymore? So like to like flip that switch off and yeah, just like that whole pivot was for sure. Like that's a crazy pivot. Yeah. Yeah, Cause that'd be like, I couldn't imagine me as a director. That'd be like you becoming, I mean, it's kind of on brand, like from Cine to steady, but like, it'd be like you becoming just an editor. Yeah. People were like, Hey, like we want you to direct this futuristic Kyle video. You're like, Oh, I actually don't direct anymore. I do this other thing, but it's like people know you as that thing. So it's like, so no, I remember when you were telling me you were doing that and when you were going through that whole process and I remember being like, Oh, crazy. And I remember the moment when you like took like DP out of your Instagram pile <laughs> and put camera up and I was like, Oh damn, it's for real, for yeah. real. Like he's, he's no longer, he took it out of his bio. Like it's, yeah, no, it's crazy to even look back and look, there's still times on like our company days where we shoot a bunch of content that, uh, yeah, I put the DP hat on. I, I do no lighting. Yeah, yeah. I know like, yeah. obviously, you know, so I, I still yeah, like, like, even with the tropic color thing, like, yeah, we, I mean, I obviously it's still fun to do it and it'll always be fun to do on like passion project things. I guess what really burnt me out was this like higher tier of shooting where I found out kind of firsthand that a DP ends up kind of being more of a technical director. They're by the monitor. They're in the walkie. Hey, brighten that up. Hey, move that light over. And I like being in the trenches. I want the thing on my shoulder. I want to be in the frame in the shot. And I found as I leveled up more, I was getting further away from the thing that I think I enjoyed the most, which was like operating and finding the frame. So yeah, obviously don't shoot anymore. I, for the last two, three years, have just been solely operating and it's like the happiest I've ever been. Yeah. But yeah, big risk initially for sure. Yeah. I I remember, I remember also being stoked. It was like, oh, dope. Now we have a steady cam off for every shoot. Like, let's go Tom. And like, just... Yeah, yeah, I think the I first just, one actually was uh was Cherie in the house. The oh, it was and you killed that too because that, that was, was pretty hard. I had to like get the thing fit. around like a little corner. You tell the stuff. story real quick. I'm gonna see if I can pull that uh, up here. Yeah, yeah. On, so uh, basically, uh, give context. Uh, yeah, so Jake does these you know uh, Halloween contests, and at that time we were like, you know what, we should make the rules for the contest. Like people around the world, it's so cool. Like in years prior, submit these shorts. And we're like the rule for the short film contest should be has to be filmed in a single take. And at the time I'd had like the steady cam for maybe like three or four months. And like you actually funny enough to tie back into your story had just bought this house. So like, yo, let's build a one that like moves and follows this actor or actress through the house as like bandits and robbers are coming in. And I remember in walking through it, like I think we filmed it initially on like an iPad or something. I was like, holy crap, like how are we going to pull this off? Um, so that was pretty cool. I don't know if you were able to. Yeah, pull it I got it. I got it right here. Let's. Um, I just need to get rid of this preview. But yeah, for context, the house is like extremely narrow. Also, I mean, as Jake mentioned, it's like a vintage house. So I'm like trying not to like bump into his walls and like because the Steadicam, as you've probably seen, is a little on the bigger side. So, um, oh, nice. Oh, cat and mouse cat and mouse so here was setting it up and then i'm gonna go scroll into here so we globally lit it too with like a bunch of a stairs and yeah that was cool that's like when the stairs were like really kind of coming on the scene so this is the also we were talking about biggest race this is the honeymoon house yeah yeah and then yeah we set it this is the first time we met I met Tim too. Oh yeah. Focus. This is us kind of walking through. There you are with your rig. But yeah, this is the first time that we're like, all right, cool. Let's run it. I was a little stressed out. I was like, dang, I don't want to like, I mean, this is going to be the model film for your contest. And if like, I just like totally botched it, I was for sure. But like this corner, where's it at? Where we're. Oh yeah. The jungle corner. No, where you have to. So yeah, this is us kind of walking through. Oh, the kitchen shot was a little rough. 
well, because we were trying to figure out like all the different angles, like how can we play with it and make it so also like you can, you know, like because there's only certain moves you can do where you yeah. can't, oh, you can't go through there and then go to the right. Like that's just too tight. You won't fit. But like this hallway shot, I think down, I don't know if it shows us rehearsing it. Like by the bedroom. Yeah. Like where you rough. had to turn that corner and then like. Well, I, I remember distinctly there was like, a couple millimeter clearance between the batteries and the wall. And like, if you didn't nail that, it would just gouge the hell out of your wall. Yeah. So there's not too much like behind the scenes footage here on the, uh, like actual shooting more so just like the planning and walking through and everything. There's, you know, me at monitor there. So for those also that are listening to this on, you know, the podcast on YouTube right now, we're, you know, we got video rolling on our, our monitor desk setup, but here it shows the film at the end, but yeah, it's a good five minute, one take film yeah no cuts no edits it's kind of like this loop you know you know classic yeah, no, like i remember when you're talking loop. about this too but yeah first time that you op steady was this movie so if you want to go check it out it's cat and mouse so just look up cat and mouse one take short film jacob owens yeah. whatever and you'll find it on uh on youtube there and you guys can go check it out and that's tom's first time operating steady cam like on a project um and yeah he he killed it like it's and the thing is really too good. i remember we rented lenses and it was a 65 mil anamorphic and like i mean not to get too in the weeds on steady cam but like a telephoto lens stabilizing any lens obviously that's the whole goal right but yeah. when you're on a 65 i mean if you handheld a 65 it's gonna swim around a lot on you so like to stabilize a telephoto lens i mean you it, it, it'll completely but i'm i'm so glad sorry to cut you off i'm so glad that like you kind of went the steady cam route because like, I feel like that made our, the way we work like even so much more like cool and dynamic because like your cinematographer brain still working. Like a lot of steady cam operators, they might not be center. They're just there to move the camera. Like, yeah. what do you want? Like you have so much good input of like, Oh bro, if we Shadow did this side. and then push to this side and just even knowing your brain, like, Oh no, this is going to look way better over here or just like pitching an idea to me. I'm like, yes, that's let's run that. And just, you have a good brain for knowing where the camera needs to end up being from, you know, the 100%. amount of headspace to the left, you know, left third, whatever and and just movement that was the always flow my issue actually when we would hire steadicam operators yeah, that's, no slight to them but i'd be at the monitor like wanting like no freaking go that way right. you know and it's like now so, i can remove that barrier so know? having like a cinematographer yeah. kind of running the steadicam like it i think it works well for everything we do and we I do a, this yeah this sequence is dope we do a lot of one takes and so to have like you and like I'm directing, you give insight, I tell you, you know what I want, we work well, and then you'll, yeah, it's just, I think it's been like great for a, a lot of our projects, just you having that cinema brain. Um, no, 100%. Because yeah, like you, you can't show. just like switch that part of your brain off. I always am looking at light. So just because I did it for freaking eight, nine years. So like now picking up the rig, I'm always still factoring those things in as well. But yeah, I mean, I think that kind of, kind of, I would imagine, unless you had any other things to mention, closes out the the kind of the big risks that we've taken. I mean, without extending too further, I do think naturally starting companies inherently yeah. has risks. And we've mentioned we want to kind of do dedicated we'll, episodes. We'll probably make a dedicated episode to, I think, Prism, Prism yeah. Lens Effects needs its full episode. Like that is easily our next, I want to say, together biggest risk like that I've taken, you've taken, you more so first off. But like that, I feel like needs its full own episode. So if you guys want to see us talk about like the inception of Prism Lens Effects, how it came, how we started, our trials, our tribulations, did we almost fail, not even get off the ground? Because that was well, a funny very thing to even throw in the 
mix is while you're buying this house and I'm learning Steadicam, we had just launched Prism. So yeah, not only I are mean, we like building and running and fulfilling orders, but we're also doing these things that we just talked about. So yeah, I remember 2019 is time. berserk, dude. That yeah. was a wild year. Dude, that, yeah, <laughs> I didn't even think about that, bro. You're well, because think about totally it. We right. started it like in November, but we started yeah. fulfilling in like February and dude. you bought the house in like what, April or May? Yeah. I actually remember fulfilling orders and you're like, well, you came up with the name Honeymoon Hideout yeah. like, while we were like packing the tape up and stuff. Yeah, Anyways. dude, wild. But yeah, I think that's, I don't know if it'll be the next episode, but for sure, I think a prison story that. will be cool. So if you guys, if you're watching the YouTube video right now, if you guys want to see us talk about that, let us know in the comments below. Leave a comment saying that you want the full prism origin story totally. and you know yeah we'll, we'll, we'll dive into kind of given that this is a newer podcast and newer youtube channel uh, i do feel corny saying it but I, it actually does help us a lot if you just go if, no matter where you're listening to i think apple podcast is probably the biggest platform just go down and like leave a five-star rating if you are enjoying or any star rating and a comment yeah. um, and then on youtube obviously the like subscribe and bell notification yep. it's just those little things help the algorithm thus helping us and to bring you guys more stuff you know, too, you that know? allow us to grow this to get like bigger guests and more people so yeah yeah i mean obviously i uh have to give the obligatory just you know show us some love if you are enjoying it and we do read the comments so if you guys are like it would be awesome if you talked about x y and z we'll do that we'll 100 do that so love it um but yeah that's been uh today's to quick take yeah, quick uh, take so with tom and jake you already know <laughs> all right guys see you on the next one peace